excited uh, to be launching Tracking the Draft with Craig Button, of course, from TSN, the director of scouting for TSN. Um, you know, you know, I've always been interested in the draft, Craig. You do such a great job, and I'm really excited to be able to work with you again on this podcast. How are things for you today? Things are great for me, Dean, and I'm just as excited to work alongside you and for us to you know, try to uh, talk, not not try, to talk about the young prospects, to talk about the prospects that are emerging and, you know, everything that goes into it and, y- you know, the, the trials, the tribulations, the joys, and, yeah, some disappointments, Dean. <laughs> you betcha. Craig, every week will be joining us, courtesy of the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline, uh, UFFS is the most realistic thing I've had uh, in fantasy sports uh, that I've ever found, Craig. And the unique thing is they actually have a scouting program, which fits perfectly because down the road, I'm going to tap into you for some scouting tips for those UFFS scouts that want to get involved in that platform. And they might be able to pick your brain a little bit about maybe what to watch for with certain things. Yep. For that. I'm totally up for that. You know, I will say this, go gentle on my brain. You know, there might not be so much to pick out of it, but, uh, you know, Hey, listen, I've been fortunate. Uh, I've been around some unbelievable people that have uh, guided me and provided great insight and great, uh, words of encouragement and words of wisdom. And, you know, one of the big things that I think you always have to do is, is you, you have to have those people that can work with you and guide you. But, but then you also have to have, you know, your own ability to grow out your own beliefs and test them and your own evaluations and see which ones you were you were really spot on with and the ones, okay, I was a little bit off with it. And, you know, I say this all the time, scouting is not static. It, it, it's ongoing at all times. And so, you know, with all those uh, different experiences I've had, you, you know, I'm really looking forward to this opportunity to not only talk about those experiences, but to share them and, and, and certainly to hear uh, from other people that have had experiences because you, you, I've learned from everybody. And one of the things I love about social media, and I say this, I have no problem with engagement. I have no problem with debate and disagreement because I really feel that I learn as much as, as, any, as anybody by those engagements because there's some not only passionate hockey people, but really intelligent people out, uh, out there that, uh, you know, have a, have a desire to not only uh, do what they're doing currently well, but even with aspirations to be in the NHL at one point in time. Beautiful. Okay, let's start with uh, the, the big news is the, the bizarreness of the draft lottery. A team that is eligible for the play-in will lose and get the first overall pick. I don't. I think it should be either or. I don't think you should get a chance to go to the playoffs and a chance at the first overall pick. And, and I can only imagine the meltdown in the hockey world if the Edmonton Oilers have to be that team to lose us and gets the first overall pick. But, but your thoughts on the draft lottery and how it shook down? No, well, I mean, you, you know, it's, an, it's always interesting when we look back. But, you know, uh, one of the things that we got to keep in mind in here, and, you know, the NHL... You know, people criticize what happened with Team E winning the uh, team uh, placeholder E winning the uh, lottery on uh, Friday, June 26th. But you know, the, the NHL took lots of input from the NHL team and 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 from the managers and what they felt was fair and what they didn't feel was fair. So th- this cannot be put on the NHL. It, like you know, it, 
like I hope, I really do hope that all the GMs come out and say, you know what? This was something that we all agreed upon because this didn't happen without the input of a lot of people. And I'll give you an example. So, you know, the 16th, the San Jose wasn't going to be part of, uh, I mean, they were out of the playoffs, but they weren't part of Like they wanted an opportunity to have a draft and to know where they were picking. Right. And then, you know, then you have the next part where you're going, okay, how do we deal with not the end of the regular season? And we, oh, so now they agree to a play in while now they're saying, well, now we have eight teams. How do we change the lottery? So through all of these different types of concerns and uh, they came up with different solutions. And, you know, all I know is this, Dean. In 2017, the 13th team in, 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 uh, it, uh, in terms of uh, best chances to win one, Philadelphia moved to two. The number eight team that year, Dallas, moved from eight to three. The next year, the 11th team, Carolina, moved to two. Uh, last year, the 12th team, Chicago, moved to three. So everybody knew that there was a real good chance that there was teams going to move up outside the top seven. But, you know, sometimes in your quest to try to do things, the NHL's idea was to give some certainty to the non-playoff teams so they could plan and they could really look at it. And, you know, so they were part of this solution. And the, the, the teams... Uh, that said, hey, wait a sec, if, if you were fifth uh, in points percentage at the pause, like Edmonton, like uh, like Pittsburgh, why should you, uh, if you lose out in the playing round, automatically get the first overall pick if you win it? And that's where the idea of the second lottery came. So there's a lot that went into it. The end of the, do you know who I really, really, uh, uh, I don't say feel bad for, but not the right thing, but Alexi Lafreniere, is now the guy that doesn't have any more certainty today than he did going into the lottery yesterday right. <laughs> on Friday, right? <laughs> and and so you know all the other players were were, were in this. Okay, where am I going to go? Right, where am I? Gonna... But Alexi Lafreniere, who I have no doubts the first pick, he still doesn't know where to go. And the NHL, like a team, like you couldn't even come back last night and team. Let's Detroit wins it. Well, Steve Eiserman. How do you feel? Alexi mm-hmm. Lafreniere. And of course you get the old answers, but at least you can ask him the question. You couldn't even ask any, anybody that question. Yeah. You so, couldn't even, you couldn't even ask Lafreniere what his favorite uh, player from team that now has the number one pick is. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but, but again, like nothing's perfect. And mm-hmm. you know, they were trying to, they were trying to deal with a scenario that no, there, there was no playbook for, there was no manual for game. So, you know, like again, there's going to be criticisms, and uh, and that's just part and parcel of it. But you know, this was the, this wasn't the, the league saying this is what we're doing. This was born out of a lot, a lot of input and a lot of discussions with all the NHL teams. So this was an NHL-wide endeavor. We we'd like to know who that first overall team is, but maybe in a in a different way. The playing around gives us uh, a different sense of. Uh, of suspense as yeah. series get rolling along, right? So then you know what? Like sometimes uh, what you what you don't plan for ends up uh, uh, ending up being something that uh, it uh, becomes positive. So uh, I know this: we're all dealing in unprecedented times, and we all have to be uh, understanding uh, of what we're trying to do. So on this show, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the 2020 draft in three different ways. Um, the, the first way, we're going to spend about 10 minutes on each 
uh, segment. Uh, so one of the things we're going to do is called Top Shelf Talent, and that's when we're going to look at the potential first-round picks. Uh, each show, about 10 minutes on each one. Um, and I want to just kind of generally ask you, Craig, uh, this year's first-round potential, maybe compared to the last three drafts, how would you rate it? It, well, it's really good, and, and I mean, obviously, you hear terms like you know what the, what what are the tiers, what are the groupings, or whatnot. You know, I, I will say this to you, Dean. I, I really believe that through the first, and, and you know, it's somewhere around. Is it ten? Is it a twelve? Is it thirteen? I, I think the first twelve, thirteen players are all high quality. And when I say high quality, I'm talking about first line forward. I'm talking about top pair defensemen. I'm talking about a number one goalie. Mm -hmm. That's what I see in that group of players. You know, in the 2018 draft, uh, we knew who the first 12 players were that were going to be drafted. And and, and, and I said, we knew. We knew. And Bob McKenzie and I uh, talked about this. And, like, you know, we didn't know what order they were going to go in. We knew Darlene was going one. We knew Svechnikov was going two. We did not know the next 10 players, but we knew who they were. Mm -hmm. I really believe that this 2020 draft is like that. I don't know who's going two. I don't know who's going four. I don't know, but I know what the I know who the players are. I know who the 10, 11 players are after Lafreniere, and they're going to go in different orders. Uh, like you know, we can't predict that yet. Or we never will be able to, but we know who the players are. And so you know, I think there's uh, that high quality there. And then I I've said this for a while. I I think the depth of quality goes into the second round. So I see it as a very deep draft of quality. And, you know, there's a big difference between, you know, uh, a number four or a number five defenseman and a, and, a, and, a, and a third line forward that might only be able to score 12 goals. Like I see some real quality depth in here of top two line forwards, top four defensemen. You know, there's not as many, uh, you know, frontline goaltenders. We know through history that uh, goaltenders are going to grow and develop uh, that, uh, you know, maybe didn't show this uh, early on. But I think the quality of skater is really, really good and, and deeper than I've seen in a few years. Well, we know, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Alexi Lafreniere is going to go first of overall. Um, and when we look at first overall picks, you, you can look at, you know, Connor McDavid, the plays in Edmonton or, you know, Crosby, Ovechkin, and, and go back on the list. There, there are certain guys that are on the top, top elite, you call them generational players. And there's other guys who aren't that, but are just terrific NHL players and superstars in their own right. But there's only a few people that get onto that ultimate generational list. Where do you think Lafreniere ranks on kind of the, the past draft uh, pecking order, past first overall pick pecking order? I'm going to answer your question, but I think you make a very, very important point. You know, you can be a superstar. That doesn't necessarily put you in that category with Crosby and McDavid and, and, and Ovechkin. And, and, you know, you have to reserve that category for those players. I, I think Nathan McKinnon is a superstar. I don't think that he's a generational player. And I think that distinction you make, Dean, is, is one that uh, I fully agree with. And it's, it's one that's very important. I've gone through the, the last... Uh, 10 drafts and looked at the first overall pick. So that goes back to 2010 with Taylor Hall. And the way the, where I positioned uh, Alexi Lafreniere is behind the three M's. Number one, McDavid. Number two, Nathan McKinnon. Number three, Austin Matthews. 
and then Lafreniere comes in there. And I think he's right in there with Jack Hughes and, and Rasmus Dahlin. And, and the, you know, with respect to their ability uh, to, to, to be front line, like, you know, I see Dahlin as a, as a number one uh, defenseman. I think Lafreniere is going to be able to come into the National Hockey League and be able to contribute right away. And by contribute, I'm talking 60 points or more in his first year in the NHL, 20 goals, and be a real, real key player. Interestingly enough, as we go back to the draft last night, uh, uh, Friday night, uh, the draft lottery, you know, one of the other things for Alexi Lafreniere, when you look at those 16 teams that are going to be in the play-in round, and you consider that out of, out of those 16 teams, eight of them are going to lose and have a chance to get Lafreniere, Lafreniere also ends up going to a much better team mm-hmm. than he would have <laughs> with one of the with one of the seven with six teams that I think San Jose out of it with one of the six teams that were uh, not going to participate in the uh, that, that didn't have a top pick in the in the top seven going into it right so you know you, you think about that for Lafreniere he's not going to a bottom team he's going to a much better team and. And who knows how much better team he might be going to, you know, depending on that second phase lottery. So when I say contributor, he, he's going to have more support around him too to do exactly what I think he can do. Well, that's good news uh, for uh, pr- prospective uh, fantasy hockey players that want to grab this guy and put him right yeah. into their <laughs> into their lineup. And and you know we always focus on that first round and and rightfully so. There's a there's a, you know some tremendous players, but that next wave is always important too. And that's the second segment and how we're going to focus on uh, the draft that that players that are, are are after first round potential. And you know you you know as an, as well as anybody that that second round and beyond um, is littered with, uh, you know, whether it's uh, superstars, Hall of Famers, whatever it is, they're just not picked in those first 31 picks for whatever reason. Yeah, and, and you know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, and I think a big part of it is, is that there, there are different stages of development uh, for the most part. Like, you know, they show you something. Like, think about Shea Weber. Shea Weber yeah. was a second-round draft pick in the 2003 draft. Now, I watched Shea in, in Kelowna, and you watched him and everything, and you, and you saw this player, he was big, he was kind of trying to put some things together, and over the course of the season, you saw those. But but he certainly didn't put himself in, in, into that category of player that said, oh, he's a first-round draft pick. But, you know, once you, de- once you mature and you develop, you, so many things come together, and that's what I find is, is the most telling part when we go back and look at at it in time, and from a scouting perspective, you know we talk about projection, we talk about potential, right? But you know when you're drafting 17 and 18 year old players, you're projecting three and four years down the line, and so now you're looking at Shea Weber, how good can he be? And then you're also evaluating him against these other players that that, that are showing more obvious signs, right, of, of of realizing that potential. So it becomes a very very uh, what what I would call detailed and involved process to go through uh, the evaluation of different players, but that's where I see. It. And you know, Braden Point, Braden Point was a third round draft yeah. pick, and then he was a third round draft pick because he was smaller. He he wasn't as big. Trey Weber was big, but he wasn't as coordinated. He he hadn't rounded out his game. So whether it be a big player or a smaller player, you can see the reasons why they end up being later picks, but. You know that's the challenge for scouts. Exactly, and and listen the 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 benefit that we have 
on this show is your years of experience and, and knowledge of, you know, recalling a player. And that's where we're going to do with our third segment called Time Machine is we're going to go back in time um, and, you know, kind of relate a story from the past to maybe somebody in, in this year's draft. And, you know, when, when you look at certain players, I'm sure images of past players kind of come to mind depending on their style of play. Absolutely, that happens. You know, it, it was really interesting, and I go back in time too, and I think back to Jack Hyman, who, uh, you know, has become a really good player for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, you know, Zach coming through, he, you know, he played junior A, and then he decided to go. He ended up being a fourth round draft pick, I believe, to Florida. Then he ends up going to Michigan. Hardly, hardly what you would call. Uh, a player that you said, oh, this guy looks like an NHL player. He didn't look like a college player, let alone an NHL player. All of a sudden, he's about halfway through his junior year, and you're watching him, and you're thinking, wow, is he taking some steps ahead? He comes back for a senior year. He's a Hobie Baker. He's one of the last uh, players uh, up for the Hobie Baker, best college player in the United States, and you know, ends up in Toronto. We see what he's become. And you know, now I go to this year's draft and I'm watching Zadie Wisdom, who's playing in Kingston, and he plays with the same type of energy and he plays with, and all I can think about, that's that Hyman. That's that Hyman. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and, but, but, but you think that, but Zadie's ahead of where Zach was at that stage, but, you know, you, you go back in time to think, and, and somebody along the line in Florida in their scouting group identified something in Zach Hyman that said, He's worthy of taking. It wasn't like a throwaway pick. A fourth-round pick is pretty high. And I think if you go back and look at it, I'll also share a story with you uh, about Mike Johnson, who works for TSN, had a, had, a, had a good, solid NHL career. He was playing at Bowling Green State University. And I was living in Michigan. I was living in Ann Arbor. So at the end of the year, you know, I'd go down, watch college games and everything. So I go down. And uh, I'm going to go watch a game in Bowling Green. And all of a sudden, I'm watching. I'm going, geez, this kid, Johnson. I'm going, I see Ben here. I'm going, oh, junior. He's a junior at Bowling Green. So that night, I see, okay, he doesn't have very much staff. That night, I go home, and I go back through my notes. Oh, yeah, good skater, but not much. There was not much there. He gets through the end of that year. And by the end of that year, he's a hotly pursued free agent. He decides to come back for his senior season. And now everybody's after him. Mm-hmm. Every single team in the National Hockey League's after him. And, you know, I say this to Mike, too. And Mike, Mike will acknowledge it, too. Prior to his junior year, when he was 21 years old or whatever, he said, I, I wasn't very good. I wasn't physically mature. I, I didn't have the ability to show anybody what I was, what I was capable of. But then as he grew and he, he became stronger, everything came together. Right to an NHL career. So, you know, you... You're always watching these players, Dean, to try to assess, is there a Mike Johnson there? Like, could he be Mike Johnson? Could he be Zach Hyman? And I think that as you go back over time, you know, you and, and you've seen those players, having seen Zach Hyman, having seen Mike Johnson play, you do try to apply those uh, experiences to evaluating players today. Because I can guarantee, I don't know what their names are, maybe it's Zadie Wisdom, who's in his first year of eligibility for the draft and will be drafted from Kingston. But the names of the players that we're going to be talking about in five years' time or six years' time, right, are, are, they're amongst them. What you got to do is just kind of, you know, mine for them a little bit because they are clearly unpolished gems at this point in time. doesn't mean they won't be diamonds once everything's said and done. 
Uh, great stuff, Craig. Uh, so looking forward to tracking the draft, looking forward to the draft. And, uh, you know, once we get past the draft, actually watching uh, junior hockey players at some point. But uh, this will come out every Thursday, uh, first episode uh, next Thursday, July 2nd. Thank you so much uh, for joining me on this intro, Craig, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to it. This is going to be a lot of fun, Dean, and I uh, can't wait.